Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, the show that teaches you and other busy pros how to grow your wealth so you can live life on your own terms. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Our guest today is Gene Guarino. Gene is the founder of the Residential Assisted Living Academy. The RAL Academy is the premier source for education in owning, operating, and investing in residential assisted living and senior housing. Gene has trained thousands of people from all across the country how to turn single family homes into absolute cash flow machines. RAL Academy's motto is do good and do well. Gene has written four books and hosted three radio shows. And at least in 2017, he spoke in five countries and over 50 cities. So that's really exciting. Gene, very excited to have you on the show today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here. And uh, this year, I've done just as much traveling. So it's it's the same kind of year. People want to hear about this all over the world. I believe it. I, I see this as a, a growing opportunity, residential assisted living investing. You know, most of our listeners, they might have some familiarity. And you know, here on the show, we talk mostly about multifamily and a little bit about mobile home parks and single families. Can you give us the basic idea behind what is residential assisted living investing? Absolutely. There's two parts to it, the real estate part and then the business part. So on the real estate side, you can be a passive investor, just own the real estate, lease it to an operator. Typically, they want a long-term five-year lease. So single-family home investing is back in a way that we can make significant cash flow uh, because you can rent it for, let's say, up to twice the market rent with a long-term tenant. And the reason why is because they're going to operate a business that is going to generate them 5000 10000 15000 or more net per month, even after paying a high rent. So it's a great twofer, real estate on one side, business on the other, and you can play in either one. Residential assisted living is a high cash flow business. And I mean, that's in the in the description that I read up front, you know, turning single families into cash flow machines. Why is it so distinct from, say, single family or multifamily investing in just the level of cash flow that you can create with residential assisted living investing? On the business side, the the whole core of this is it's a residential home. So that's the residential part and the assisted living. So the person who's living in the home, we call them a resident. They're not a tenant. They're not a, they're, it's not a medical situation, but they need care, 24-hour care. So in assisted living, the average person in America today is paying $3,750 per person per month. And in an average home doing residential assisted living, you might have 10 people, 12 people. And with that much cash flow, even after all expenses, even paying an exorbitant rent, if you had to, you, you net a lot of money in the end. So people pay a lot of money to live in these homes because the service that they're getting is something they absolutely need and cannot do without. And that's really what makes it different. Usually somebody takes a single family home, rents it to a family for a year or two, gets a fair rent, they move out, you turn the house over, and hopefully there's not too much downtime in between. In our case, you if you own the home and lease it to the operator, it's typically a five-year lease. And they're able to pay a higher rent because of the massive cash flow that they have. If we're getting into this from a real estate investing standpoint, we're going to buy a property and fix it up and lease it to an operator. I mean, what are some of the steps there that we need to take to to make that happen? I mean, on the one hand, there's finding the property and fixing it up and everything. And then on the other hand, we need to go find an operator or hopefully multiple operators so we can create some kind of a, a bidding war if possible. You know, what are how can we get started doing this? 
And that's a great question because really the key to this is the operator. So I'm going to suggest that all of your listeners, if you want to be passive and own the real estate and just lease it to, the first thing you want to do is find that operator. Once you find the operator, and I'll give you a couple of strategies for doing that. Once you find that operator, it's really asking them, where do you want your want the house? Not here's the house I have for you, but you tell me where you want that house. And it may surprise you. It might be a very nice neighborhood and a much larger house than you might normally buy because what they want is the right location with room that they can have a lot of different residents in that house paying them a high income. So finding that that operator is really the key to your success in this. So I'm going to give you two strategies for doing that. One, uh, you can go directly to existing operators, somebody who currently has one of these homes and approach them and say, are you interested in expanding? If I was interested in investing in the real estate and leasing it to you or potentially even partnering with you, would you be interested in that? So that's one direct way. Go right to existing operators and see if they want to expand. The other one is within our network, we train people from all over the country. So we just had a class last weekend where there's people in that room, some that want to be operators and some that want to be real estate investors. So just literally matching up those people right in that room is a great way to to find those potential operators. How many of those classes do you do a year if folks want to get involved and come? We now have eight of those classes a year, and literally people come from all over the country, even internationally for the class. They're all done in Arizona, and that's because I own and operate my homes in Arizona, and a big part of the training is coming out to see those properties. And that's really the thing, Taylor. When When we talk about this, we can talk about making money and What does the real estate look like? And what about zoning and rules and regulations? But the reality is you really can really get a sense for this once you walk into the home and it's, and I, I get it. I understand it now. I thought it was this, but now that I've seen it with my own eyes, touched it, felt it, smelt it, I, I get it. I understand it. And that's why we do the class in Arizona. I think this is a great asset class to be involved in, both from a a cash flow opportunity standpoint, but from also from just what you're bringing to the market and the value that you can offer to residents and, and, you know, some of the elderly folks that are living in the assisted living, for example, um, you can offer them a, a great place to live at a fair price that they'll truly enjoy. And I've heard you talk on uh, in the past about you know, ways that operators and owners can uh, non-obvious ways that they can increase their cash flow by bringing different amenities like um, chefs, private chefs, and mm-hmm. and entertainment and things like that to the tenants that might command a slightly higher rent. What are some other ideas that you're just kind of bringing out to the market these days to increase the rents that uh, folks will pay to live in your properties? Well, it's really interesting because you touched on a few of what what I'm going to call upscale or higher end things like a chef. And that is something that if you have a, a chef on staff in a residential assisted living home, you're head and shoulders above the competition. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. the average home in America today doing this, it's a small home in a substandard area, crowded space. It might be a 2000 square foot home with 10 people living in it. Uh, what we do is very different. We'll go into a house with a rule of thumb of 300 square feet of living space per resident. So the home might be three, 4,000 square feet or even bigger. And when you have a nicer house in a nicer neighborhood, so it's about the, the demographics in that neighborhood when I say nicer. I was on a golf course today. Those homes are beautiful. The people who live there are higher income. So they're 
higher income and they can afford more than the average individual. So we don't focus on Medicare or Medicaid. We focus on what's called private pay. So the client is me, 57 years old, mom, dad, 80, 90 years old. We're the ones paying for mom and dad's care. Mom and dad aren't moving in because they want to play pickleball and play golf. They're moving in because they have to. There's some assistance they need in their life. So it's usually an event that drives them to move into the home. And the care that they receive is really the most important feature, if you will. So great care, great caregivers, great environment. Then from there, if we want to focus on that higher end client, the, the kid who's 50, 60, who's going to be paying for this, you want it to be in their neighborhood so it's easy for them to get there. So really the best way to get a higher rate is to be in the right area. The location is critically important to that success. And the other angle here, you know, at Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, we're bringing passive investing knowledge and advice to folks. So the other side of the coin from the operators is where's the capital coming from? Where are the investors coming from? And as we as passive investors how can we get involved? I mean, from from my perspective, it's relatively easy to find multifamily syndication opportunities, for example, or mm-hmm. turnkey single family rentals. There's there there are quite a few opportunities out there. But as far as finding a residential assisted living, either operator or property investor that we can just invest capital with and make a return on. That's a bit harder to find. So how can we get started there from a capital partnering standpoint? You know, you and I actually met at a syndication event learning about how to put money together for things. And people are very hot on this topic. So the concept of the the raising of the capital or the flip side, investing in this and finding the opportunity. There's a couple of ways. One, you can go if you want to be completely hands off and just write a check and not even think twice about it and be completely liquid, you can invest in a REIT or a mutual fund of some kind. Now, obviously, that's not what we're looking for, but that would be completely hands off. You can put the money in today and take it out tomorrow. You're going to get an average return, four, six, eight percent, whatever the fund is paying on that. It is higher than most other REITs out there, the ones that focus on senior housing. But in order to get more than that, Now there's going to be another level of involvement. So one level would be to be a private lender on these homes. Now it's a residential home, which means before it's converted and the business is open, you can go get a Fannie, a Freddie, just a bank loan, 20% down and so on. But as soon as you start to add space, convert space, put in grab bars, it changes the nature of that residential home. The average bank is going to look at that and say, "Ah, you don't quite fit in the box anymore. So I always encourage people to go to private lenders anyway. And hard money is one level, but not that. Hard money, high rates, points, and so on. What I'm looking for is that investor who's saying, I want to get my money to to work harder for me, but I'm interested in a two-year investment, maybe up to five years. So that's kind of the sweet spot for people that want to get into this, the opportunities that are available. Maybe somebody has a syndication of PPM has uh, already been created for a project, and they're looking for money to be in it for two, three, four, maybe up to five years when they refinance out at a lower rate, longer term. Uh, Those opportunities, we have students that are putting together projects, raising capital for it. Um, You're starting to see some more of that in some of the uh, crowdfunding sites. So projects that are out there that literally say residential assisted living, and you can invest in it that way. Again, hands-off passive, 
but your money is going to be in that deal for a couple of years more than likely. And the goal there is for the operator or whoever's putting the project together is to refinance out. And whether you stay in or not is just part of the deal. Is that part of the agreement up front? Or did you just, uh, you know, get money, interest on your money, and when it's paid back, you're done? Or do you get a continued either equity position or profit share from it? So all of those things are available, and there's more of these deals coming to the table. Uh, but it's not as, you know, most of your listeners here are very used to doing, like you said, storage units and, and mobile home parks and apartment buildings. The problem that I have with a lot of those things is there's so many savvy investors out there looking for the same deal. So prices are getting bid up, cap rates are getting crushed. So to do something in a more lucrative way in a market that is coming, and, you know, when we talk about seniors and this opportunity, I can give you all the facts and figures, but everybody knows the seniors drive the economy and the next place they're going is senior housing. So it's a great time to get involved. The rates can be much, much higher and being a private investor in, whether it be just the debt side or the equity side is a great way to go. So as far as evaluating opportunities, if I'm looking at it from my multifamily investing lens, I mean, I know how to underwrite properties, but if I didn't know or before I knew, I could go and find someone who is an absolute expert at underwriting, pay them granted a few hundred dollars to evaluate a deal. So it's not super cheap, but they would give me a professional opinion on whether or not something's a good deal. But evaluating a residential assisted living, especially passive investment opportunity, where do we even get started with that? I mean, I, I don't know whether or not somebody sends me a pro forma, whether, how do I, can, how can I tell if it's legitimate and, you know, conservative and, uh, and all that or not? So the first thing is if it exists, meaning it's a business that somebody's buying, it already has cash flow, it's got residents, it's licensed, everything that goes with that, then it's relatively easy to look at the tax returns and say, do they make profit? And then what is our multiple on that? When you're valuing it, it really should be a real estate play on one side. So it has a standalone value based on a CMA uh, in that area. Here's what that house would sell for and could be resold for. And on the other side, you're evaluating the business, the income from the business. So think about an apartment for a minute. If you had a hundred unit apartment that's fully occupied at a thousand dollars a unit, it's very easy to calculate value based on gross income and expected expenses and so on. When you're talking about something that is existing, the building, but there's no tenants yet, well, now you have to play into that and say, okay, can the market absorb another 100 units? What would they be willing to pay? More importantly, who's the property manager? Who's the one who's going to fill that unit? So when you flip it over to what we do, your operator is going to be the most important piece of the equation. If you're buying the real estate and leasing it to them, that's fine. That's easy. You know what the property's worth. You know what you put into it. You know what you need to get out on a monthly basis. And if you have a long-term tenant, five years, uh, whether they live or die doesn't matter as long as they pay each month. But if you're buying into the business itself, the operator is really the key. You want somebody who knows what they're doing. If they've done it before, that's, that's great. If they've never done it before, at least are they trained? Do they have support? Do they know? Are, have they been trained to know what they're supposed to be doing? So if you have an operator who's got a track record, now you can kind of bank on that to some extent. They did it before, they can do it again. The market itself speaks for itself, meaning how many seniors are needing this and how many more are coming down the pipeline. That, that's a relatively easy number to get. We're not at a point in, this, uh, in the market where things are oversaturated and nobody else needs what we have. 
a lot of people need what we have, and there's a lot of beds that are going to be needed in the future. So unlike an apartment where there's old inventory and new inventory, it's different where there is uh, properties that exist and then new properties that are being built, but the seniors are continuing to come. The question really is what is the demographic and the income graphic, as I call it? What can they pay? What can they afford to pay? So if I'm in an average area where it's 3700 a month, I'm not as interested as opposed to an area where they're paying five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month. Because 10 residents is 10 residents. The question is, how much can they pay? And then the expenses are pretty similar from house to house. Labor costs are what they are. The real estate itself is going to vary. If you're in California, it's one thing. If you're in Mississippi, it's another. But in California, they can pay a higher rate. So we can cover that extra real estate cost in Mississippi. Presumably, they can't pay as high of a rate. So even if the house were free, it still may make more sense in the expensive state or expensive neighborhood. So you threw out a few numbers there, and this is what really gets interesting to me is the you know $3,700 a month is low, and you start getting interested at five dollars $6,000 a month. And then I know once we start talking, adding on memory care and additional services, the numbers just keep going up and up and up. Right. You know, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about kind of the segmentation of the market, kind of where numbers are today and you know, so we can get a full picture in our minds of what this whole this whole thing looks like and from a numbers perspective. Yeah. And I'll rattle off some stats so that people can really get a feel for this. Seventy seven million baby boomers, an average of ten thousand people a day turning sixty five, but more importantly, four thousand a day on average are turning eighty five. And that right there will be called the super seniors. That eighty five year old is the fastest growing demographic in the world, not just in the US, in the world. So 4,000 a day, that's 1.4 million people every year turning 85. Right now, throughout the entire country, there's about 1.4 million beds in assisted living, period. So it's a huge crisis that's coming, or flip the coin, opportunity. So right now, when I say the average is 3750 per month for one individual in a home like this, that's an average home. That includes Medicare and Medicaid. When I'm in front of a group of people and I ask, do you know somebody who's in a home like this and what do they pay? It blows me away because they're, they're like, yeah, we pay 7000 a month. We pay 12000 a month. The numbers are outrageous. And if somebody's never even thought about this before, they are like, how in the world does somebody pay for this? And that's a different question. We can go there. But the reality is you're going to take care of mom. You're going to take care of dad. You're going to pay whatever it takes to make sure that they're in a good place and safe and well taken care of. So the average of 3750, I don't focus on the Medicare Medicaid. Some people do. I definitely don't don't encourage you to. But when we see that middle range is 3750, there's some states where the middle is 6000 and that includes Medicare and Medicaid on the low end. So really in a in a little bit nicer home, the average is $8000 a month. Now when you throw on things like memory care, dementia and so on, you typically uh, charge more for that level of care. It might be $1,000 a month more per person, but there's also maybe you need more caregivers. Instead of uh, two caregivers for 10 people, you might have three caregivers for 10 people. So the expenses are a little bit higher, but your income is dramatically higher too. It more than covers it. And there's so many people that need not just assisted living, but the memory care is even a bigger issue. More people will be faced with issues with that than even the assisted living. 
you know, as somebody who is, I'm, I'm hopefully many years from the time when, you know, I'll get to be taking care of my parents in this way. Um, but it just, it, it scares the crap out of me, to be honest with you, just, just where these numbers are. And, you know, that's why I'm personally, I'm glad I'm thinking about it so far ahead of time. But for the folks that are not thinking about it for their parents, you know, whether their parents are in their 60s or 70s, maybe they're not quite getting there. I mean, just a that that memory care and and having them just in the residential assisted living in general it's it's quite shocking and as a as investors we're adding to the supply of units that are available so we can benefit from those high numbers but you know both as a as investors i i believe we should be thinking for ourselves and our families that we need to be ready to kind of be on the demand side of this equation and be utilizing residential assisted living facilities. But it's also good to think about it from being on the supply side and making these units available for residents who desperately need them. So it's it's a very interesting market and we're all going to be involved with it someday in some way. You know what? That's exactly what I tell people. I guarantee you're going to get involved one way or the other, either the real estate, the business, or you or a loved one may be living in a home of some kind, writing a check to somebody else. So right now, when you don't need it, when you're younger, you have a choice. You can decide how you get in. The reality is when mom needs help, she needs help today, not let me plan for this two years from now. And selfishly, everybody should at least consider doing one of these homes. If nothing else, you can move into the master bedroom and live for free. Because if you don't, and I, I find this all the time where pe- people move in, and they're just they're liquidating the assets that the parent they have a house they bought for twenty thousand it's worth three hundred thousand that gets liquidated their pension plans used their social security is used and when all the money runs out the kids who are 50 60 planning for their retirement are now liquidating their retirement accounts or even their kids college education funds and all of it could have been avoided by just having one of these homes and i'm not talking as everybody's listening you could do it for half a million dollars and finance it with, you know, zero down, but fifty or a hundred thousand dollars. So you may be doing great in real estate now. Maybe just take one of the homes you own free and clear, liquidate it, use that as a down payment to get one of these homes started. And if nothing else, you know, make your ten grand a month now in net profit, give it away if you don't need it. But if nothing else, you're not gonna leave a burden to the kids. You can move right into that master bedroom and live for free and your kids are happy and left with something instead of liquidating all of the portfolio over the last three to five years of their life. It's very much along the lines of what Kiyosaki said in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We want to get that cash flow going and we want to get involved. We want to make sure we're building pipelines and not carrying buckets anymore. And we should be building a pipeline in residential assisted living. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Want daily interviews with real estate investors and none of the fluff? Go to bestevershow.com where Joe Fairless interviews daily real estate investors and entrepreneurs about their best advice ever. Go to bestevershow.com. Gene, what is the best investment you've ever made? Now I'm going to give you an answer you may not be expecting. Family vacations. I got to tell you, that's been the best investment I've ever made because uh, let's face it, your relationships with your kids and family is much more important than anything you ever own. How about what is the worst investment you ever made? The worst investment I ever made would have to be along the lines of 
spending money or time, energy on things that other people think is important. And, and that could be anything. I mean, really, it could be going to college because somebody else said that's what you need to do. Or it could be, you know, put all of your time and energy. Notice I'm not talking about money, right? Because it's, let's face it, we can all make more money. You can't make more time. You can't make more joy. So investing in the wrong areas because somebody else thinks that's a good thing. To do. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, you're absolutely right. You can't make more time. <laughs> what is the most important lesson you've learned in investing? Follow your passion. If you decide, you know, why you're doing something, and we talk about that a lot as investors, but why do you do what you do and following your passion, uh, that is the best investment you can make. Flip side, too many people, they go after something and they, they have success, quote unquote, because they reached it only to get to that finish line and say, I don't want to be here. I mean, I've done that a number of times in my life. The older I get, the more important it becomes. Decide what you really want. Go for that whether it's live in a van and climb a mountain or whether it's get a thousand units under your belt, live with passion and do what you really want to do. Wow. I love that. If folks want to learn more, they want to get started, what should they do? What's the next step? You know, I put together a really simple, easy introductory education that they can get online and it's free. Just go to ral101.com, ral101.com. It's about an hour and 15 minutes. It's a great education on what this is, residential assisted living. Whether you want to be passive or active, whether you want to be on the real estate or the business side, you'll learn a ton. And if you want more, visit our website after that, ral101.com. And if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best place to reach out? Call, and that's 480-704-3065. 480-704-3065. You can always send me an email at gene at ralacademy.com. G-E-N-E at ralacademy.com. Gene, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate all of the awesome lessons. To all the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please share with a friend if you know anyone that should be thinking about or is interested in increasing their wealth. Bring them into the fold, and we hope to raise their wealth and bring them up as well. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating on iTunes. That's a huge, huge help, and we'll talk to you on the next one.